welcome to another episode of our conversation on Giants in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Megan and joining me for this series is the absolutely magical Casey. This episode is going to focus on two specific kinds of giants that are classic enemies in D&D, but a lot of new dungeon masters might overlook. The Fomorian and the Oni. Mm-hmm. Both of these creatures hail from very specific real-world lore. But do you do you get excited when you get to fight a famous kind of monster in D&D, or do you find that it kind of breaks the suspension of disbelief? No, I like it, because... There is so much that you don't know, especially when you start playing D&D, yeah. that sometimes when there's, like, something you're familiar with, it's like, oh, I know this! This is so cool! Yeah, I love I, that for me! Yes, and it's like, I can't believe I'm fighting it! Oh, same thing. Like, I find that um, I've played a lot of campaigns that have been around for many, many years before I joined them, mm-hmm. and then we'll end up fighting a monster that they that the team that I'm playing with has fought before. And they get super excited being like, oh, this is back and it's returned and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. (laughs) But then when you've played with them long enough, you then become knowledgeable and you become a part of that. And it's kind of like a really feel-good moment. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I can... I know, like, um, other things that DMs do is, like, when we're talking about, like, adding famous monsters into D&D, all I can think about is Adam's episodes where he always throws in Santa Claus. Yes. Or Saint de Klaus. Yep. And I'm like, that's, like, things like that that make me laugh, right? (laughs) Like... You change the name enough, but in but like it, you know that it's Santa Claus, but it's Saint the Klaus, and yeah, it just makes me laugh. It's just great. Yeah, I agree. It's just like a familiar sense of like comfort. Yeah, amongst the chaos. Yeah, out of all like the weird fantasy, like I don't know, like the Easter Bunny or like Santa Claus or like other weird creatures. Which one would you want to fight in a D and D campaign? Oh, God. I know, it's a weird question to ask, because, like, you have to uh, think about all the weird ones that you knew when you were a kid. I would want to fight the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. I feel like, give me that fucking teeth bag, bitch. <laughs> that shit's worth thousands. Can you imagine? It would have, like, in, in D&D, it would be a Tooth Fairy that carries dragon's teeth. Yes. Ooh, that could be interesting. You've thought about this before. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you always have to find out different weird ways to bring it. Again, creatures that your t- team would be familiar with. Yeah. But, like... Not too familiar that they would know exactly what they're fighting, right? <sighs> I think hmm, Easter Bunny could be entertaining. I don't love the Easter Bunny, so I'm sure there's a build out there in the world that someone has built the Easter Bunny for like sure. A, a yeah. big bad evil guy that could be entertaining. Could throw eggs. Yeah, yeet eggs. Yeah. Um, it would have a bite attack with its teeth. Oh you know? yeah. A claw attack. It would be able to jump super high. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would it would grab you and like hold on to you like grapple you and then jump super high and then drop you. <gasps> Fuck! You should have made that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into talking about these two beautiful creatures, I'm gonna shake us up some sake that we have decided we're switching it up today. Surprise! So we're switching it up today because we're talking about oni today, which is uh, uh, you know a fantastical Japanese creature. Um, so we're drinking something a little bit different. I was going to drink, we were thinking plain sake, but we're like, why not? Let's go with something crazy. <laughs> so we have, uh, Sayuri Nagori sake, which is actually like a cream sake. Yes. And so we don't really know what this is going to be. I'm shaking it. This is me shaking it up because <laughs> you have to shake it super well. It looks like Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> does this not look like Pepto-Bismol? Yeah, maybe? it does. All right. And for Final Fantasy fans, we're drinking out of cups with moogles on them right now. So let me just... Pour a little sip taste for both of us here. God, that looks creamy. <laughs> Fucking milky as fuck. All right, let's try her out. Cheers. Oh, nice man. 
Well, that tastes like <laughs> rice water, all right. <laughs> I actually like it. I because <laughs> you said you said you're not a sake fan no, to begin with. So I I actually find this a little easier for me to drink than regular sake. I I need to work on my sake acquired. Yeah, it's taste. not as aggressive or like um vinegary as like a classic sake would be. No, it's definitely got a little bit more less bite to it. Yeah. Mm. And I guess would be more like a dessert. Like, it's the classic very lightly sweet desserts that you yeah. lo- see lots of times. It's kind of fresh like a cucumber. It's got a weird, like, cucumbery vegetable. I'm going to pour oh, you yeah, some wine does. so you can enjoy some beverage while we do this as <laughs> oh, well. Thanks. But yeah. <laughs> um, and we did learn that sake can get very expensive, so find yourself some cheap bottles if you really want to try it. Yeah. All right. Go explore. Okay, so as I said, we're only going to be discussing the two famous ones, the Fomorians and then the Oni. First, I'm going to jump into the Fomorians, if that's all right with you. Let's do it. So these are thought to be derived from Irish folklore. So I feel like I just finished doing an Irish campaign where I had to speak in an Irish accent for the whole time. Ooh. And you know what? I tried it. I did it. it I'm was, proud of you. It was not great. And it would definitely flow between a little bit of Australian and then right into English and then like a little bit of Scottish. <laughs> And then every once in a while you get a word and you're like, yeah, that was Irish. <laughs> That's how it went for me. But anyways, I digress. You're braver than me, my friend. <laughs> but in Irish folklore, specifically, they are considered monstrous and hostile beings. They are humanoid, but are some tales to say that they can sometimes have the head of a goat. Something along those lines. But that's what we get when we have myths and legends that are passed down for centuries. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to change. They're going to shift based on, like, who's telling the story. But in Irish lore, they are thought to kind of have come from the earth or even under the sea. In fact, some say that they are kind of paralleled with that of the Titans of Olympus, that they kind of embody elements. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Their tales have been influenced by the Irish experience also of, like, um, Viking raidings and stuff like that. So that's where their viciousness comes from, right? They're there to take and they're there to pillage, all that good stuff. There's even stories that tell that they've come from, like, the underworld or from all over the place. So, like... I feel like this is just kind of like your old fearsome story of these weird monstrosities that no one really knows where they came from, but this is kind of how they describe what they look like. It reminds me of like, you know, like 300 when like the movie 300 when they're fighting the Persians and but to the, to like them, the Persians are these giants mm-hmm. and they're described as these like monstrous giants and the elephants are like 50 feet tall and like, but that's, it's because that's how they described it in the story when they retold it. Right. Right? It's not necessarily that that's what it actually was, or that, you know, they fought humans that were 16 feet tall. No, that's just how they described it to bolster how fearsome they were to fight these things. That's kind of the emotion I get behind some of the tales and tall tales that I've read about them. So let's see what they're like in 5th edition. Let's see how we adapted this to D&D. So they are ugly. Fucking ugly. Like, really fucking hideous. Their facial features are, like, strewn about their face. So, like, they'll have an eyeball, like, all the way on the side or on their chin or what have you. Those are, um, like, my my most feared, like, m- horror movies is when they're, like... Like, their extremities make no sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what these are. And, like, they're even their skin is even covered in layers of warts and sores, and they're just physically misshapen. <sighs> so just frightening is, is all hell, right? Um, but their tale is a sad one. I hate when they do this. <laughs> I know, but they did it themselves, so let me tell you. Okay. They were once considered to actually be gorgeous and beautiful beings, but their lust for power and desperation, like, to seek magic made them really, really ugly on the inside Mm -hmm. because they were so desperate for magic that they would kill or hurt or torture anything that they needed to to get to be powerful. 
So in fact, they raided the Feywild in an attempt to take all of the magics for themselves, which of course led to a war slash battle, and they actually ended up losing because the Fey cursed them. And they're basically their fugly hearts ended up being visible on the skin on their outside. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's what kind of brings us the frightening looking creatures that we have now. They're cursed by the Fae. This forced them to kind of flee into the Underdark where they now dwell and rarely come out. In fact, they kind of decolor the, they So they, they, they went into the Underdark because they're like, oh my god, we're so ugly and hideous and gross, and we're just gonna be all, like we're just gonna become these like cave creatures and we're gonna be awful. And then now when they dwell in their lairs, they actually decorate them with the their fallen enemies to prove their strength and worth to each other. Because again, they're seeking ultimate power. They want to be number one mm. all the time. So I'm imagining that this is like Christmas lights in your neighborhood. It's just the strewn about bodies of the things that you've killed uh-huh. and the people that you yeah yeah like the the Christmas wreath hook on the door just like gets exchanged out for the latest like victim yeah your latest murder oh <laughs> yeah absolutely but it's just it's like hey Bobby see what I killed last week what do you got over there a deer congratulations like fuck you like meh. um. But let's see some stats for these guys. So they're huge giants that are chaotic evil, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. I feel like I cannot stress enough that they are frightening fucking creatures. Yeah. Um, They're skilled in perception and strength. And this actually checks out because their eyes and facial features are in weird places of their bodies. So they can actually see things and are extremely perceptive because... They can, like, see in the back of their head. Yeah, it's like an owl swiveling its head around. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which is really, really creepy. On top of that, they have dark vision of 120 feet. Pardon me. <laughs> so so they are cave dwellers, and they have such good perception, but they also have dark vision of 120 feet. So they can, like, see you coming from a mile away. Wow. Yeah. Um, they speak giant and undercommon, which is... Undercommon is something we've talked about in a few episodes, where, like, it's not something that's regularly talked about, mm-hmm. but um, it's basically the language of, of the underdog. Okay. Uh, They can multi-attack with their Great Club, or they can use what's called the Evil Eye. The Evil Eye is actually an ability that they have where they can take their curse and bestow it on someone else. So any creature that they see within 60 feet has to make a Charisma save, and then they take 6d8 Psychic Damage, halved if they saved. But if they fail, the curse triggers, and that creature is now cursed with the frightening looks of the Fomorian. Oh, shit. So, and it gets worse. So while cursed, their speed is halved, you have disadvantage on ability checks. Um, sorry, sorry, disadvantage on ability checks, saving throws, and attacks that are strength based or dex based. And you can't repeat the save until after a long rest. Shit. Right? You are done. Shit. 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 <laughs> shit. Shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not going to be fun to deal with these things. Because I imagine that if you're going to come across them, you're going into the Underdark. I feel like yeah. they don't come out. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to find a reason to get one. You're going to find a good reason for your party to be in, like, the Underworlds. Under, yeah. Underdark or whatever. Um, not only that, but then engage in battle with these things. And they don't necessarily speak your language. So it's going to be yeah. hard not to get into a fight with one of these. Because you're going to be walking around in its territory, where it clearly has marked its territory with other sprued about dead bodies. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's just going to be happy to add, like, add more along the wall. Right? Yeah. So. Ooh. Right? I was just, uh, What is the CR rating on this? Because that seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. <laughs> that seems like that a seems lot. That seems like a lot that's going on right <laughs> there. Just hold on here. Let me grab it. Uh, challenge rating is only eight. So the reason for mm-hmm. that is they have a natural armor class of only 14. 
So they're going to actually be pretty easy to hit. And their um, dice pool, like for their health, is only about 150. So they're not hard to kill. And they're only 30 feet. They're only with like a speed of 30 feet. So they can't run away from you too fast. There's no way for them to really escape. The only thing that's going to be so gruesome and fearsome about these is if it uses its evil eye on you, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. Everything else is fine. It can multi-attack with its great club. Whatever. That's not a big deal. It's a plus nine to hit, so it'll probably hit you. It does have a 15-foot reach, so good luck. <laughs> um, and But its, it's um, average damage is only about 19. So if you're going in there with a tier one or tier two, like a tier two party, I would say, you would probably be able to take a couple of these out until you're all cursed. And then once yeah. you're all cursed, you're fucked because then you're taking all these disadvantages and all these other abilities. Yeah. Right? Then it's run away. Hmm. Yeah. So. I was not expecting that. Like, there's always the beefy thing that they have, but that, that is bad. Like, you can have one of your players just essentially sit back and no longer be in the battle. Yeah. If that happens. So, yeah, it's one of those things where if your team comes across, like, one singular one, you'll probably be fine. Mm -hmm. But again, they don't leave their homes. You're not going to come across them willy-nilly in the wild. Right. So you're not going to find one just sitting there by itself, right? Yeah. This is you and your team, for some fucked up reason, going into the Underdark or the Feywild, coming across, like, a horde of these, because they all live together, like, sharing and stories of their kills, and then they're going to, like, murder you. The only thing that I can think of, like, if I'm trying to figure out a, a set piece for a reason why a party would go into the Underdark to see these, would be that maybe one of your team members got cursed by one a long time ago. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have a lot of the disadvantages or what have you. Maybe it's like an NPC that right. got cursed and is asking for your assistance. And the only way to release it, they think, is to find out more information about it by going into the Underdark to figure out about it. Right? Yeah. Um, and then you go down there and then, like, you figure out all these things. Or you're playing an evil campaign and this is the army that you're traveling with. Or there's, like, an evil wizard that these are the army of that evil wizard. Yeah. Right? Those are the only kinds of things I can think of where we can really bring them out um, into the wild. Did you have any other ideas or thoughts around them? Yeah. Well, and I feel like if you are going to come across these, there's the potential of, like, this is kind of your big battle. If you're venturing where these are going to be, you would probably be gathering intel, or at least, like... You hope your party is going to gather intel, like, what are we going to come across? Yeah. And maybe, maybe if you ask the right people and the right questions, you'll get some hints on, like, you know, like, be aware of this ability or something Yeah. to give a heads up on their way in. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know, it's kind of, I like that this is actually very specific to one, like, region or what would you call the underdark the underdark yeah the realm yeah a realm <laughs> yeah kind of like i feel like the two places you would find them would be within the feywild or within like the underdark those right. are like the two places i could imagine yeah so it won't be roaming it won't be as easy to throw in as a dm mm -hmm. but uh packs a punch so yeah and can add like a cool little storyline trip to it too right mm -hmm. like i can imagine that if you are wandering through the feywild shall we say mm -hmm. and you're wandering around with your team and you are laying down for the evening to have a nappy nap and, like, you know, getting ready for the next day. And then all of a sudden, like, you're who's on watch? This is a mm. random encounter. Yeah. That, like, two or three of these come out of the forest because they come out and hunt at night or something like that. And then yeah. they come across them and then they end up getting cursed, but they run away. And then in the morning, everyone looks at you and you're, like, super ugly and grotesque. And then they start fighting you. Oh, Because yeah. they don't recognize you. 
right? And then you have to convince your team somehow that you are who you are and that you've been cursed. And please wait a solid, please wait a long <laughs> rest for me to for me to turn back into my regular human being yeah. self, right? Yeah. But but I don't know. If I was to role play one of these as a DM as well, like it would be one of those things where I mean they're not stupid creatures. Like, to be fully, like, forward, their intelligence is technically a negative one, so it's just a little bit below average, obviously. Um, And their wisdom is negative two, and their charisma is negative two as well. So they're not necessarily going to want to communicate with you and talk to you if they really have the capabilities to do so. Like, if your team member knew Giant, which I feel like every character I've ever built in the last, like, fucking six months has been able to speak Giant. Um, I've learned something. Yeah. Um... Communicating with one would be difficult because it would want to. It's chaotic evil. Yeah. Like we have to remember that its alignment is chaotic. Like, it's yeah. it's not interested in you. Like, these aren't the ones that you can talk to and, like, get things from them. No, and I think that's why it has such mixed history and myths and stuff about it is because if you see it or you're someone who witnesses it if you survive, mm-hmm. it is so grotesque that, like, you almost don't care <laughs> Like, it's just you're overwhelmed by the grotesque and terror that it ha- that it is mm-hmm. as a creature. So it's just like, I don't know, it could be. And then you go into the fantastical, like, ends of what the myth would be, yeah. like you were talking about. Yeah, like, it would take your team. I feel like I could almost see it being that, like, one of your teammates' ancestors was, um, like, a part of the fight of the Feywild and then ended up cursed and is now in the Underdark. And it's in that character's backstory that it wants to find its ancestor. Knows that it's alive and knows that it's cursed and has to find a way to break the curse. Oh, jeez. Megan, you are on a roll here. I, you know what? <laughs> Just firing out Love ideas it. today. Yeah. But, no, no, it's very interesting. Like, it's so interesting trying to think of, like, the juxtaposition between, like, the Irish folklore and how, like, open-ended it is and, like, how it can be attached to, like the fights and the battles with the gods and how I find that all of giant history has something to do with fighting a god of some kind. You know what I mean? Yep. These ones are fighting the fae. So, right. like, it could be, like, a fae dragon or, like, a fae whatever that officially cursed them and then now it's up to your team to break that curse. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, like, you are in the Feywild or um, or they found a portal that can get them out of the Feywild and then now they're hunting in your regular plane. And you have to figure out where they're coming from. And you find out they're coming from the Feywild, and that's what brings your group to the Feywild. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Right. Yeah. Like, it's impossible they should not be here. No one believes you that yeah. you've seen one. These are myths. These are legends. They're not real. These are the stories we tell our kids to scare them. Mm-hmm. They don't exist. Yeah. And then you find a, a village that's like, no, they fucking exist. We see them. Yeah. This is where they go. <laughs> if you help us, we will give you riches. <laughs> yes. Right? That's a good plot <laughs> hook, right? So good. Yeah, I enjoy them. I think that they're an interesting little little set piece that you can use. It's kind of like a new version of like your classic goblin, but with a bit of a twist and a lot of rich history that you can utilize to kind of give, again, a, like a little side quest plot hook. Yeah. Or again, fill in someone's backstory, right? Yeah, I didn't even think about that piece. So yeah. Well done. You're fucking welcome, Casey. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Fomorians. <sighs> All right. Well, next on our list is the Oni. Oh, baby. Yeah. Um, so the Oni, it has a lot of Japanese lore. Mm -hmm. In the Japanese lore, it's called a yokai, and that's how I'm pronouncing it. You're right. Forgive me. Yokai is correct. Yes! Okay. Um, and equivalent, like, demon, orc, ogre, troll. Yeah. Like, all of that 
um, fierce, evil spirits carrying out nightmarish murder and cannibalism. Mm -hmm. Um, Terrifying. This is the things in your nightmare in real life. These are things that go bump in the night. Yes. Yeah. you will find them in a lot of Japanese stories and myths. Um, they will be large in size, but many times described as humanoid with super strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Japanese uh, stories, their horns can be a lot of different colors. They do have horns. Demon. Yes. Um, yeah, there was like so much to dig into on this. It's very interesting. There's famous ones in stories and, uh, yeah, like I encourage you if this, if you're some sort of dark spirit that just (laughs) wants to know more about basically the boogeyman, um, there's so much here. I love it. The Oni come up in essentially all previous editions. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are long-standing, very well-known. So in 5e, they essentially have demon-like qualities with short ivory horns out of their forehead. It highlights their bright white pupils in the center of really, really dark eyes. Mm -hmm. They have dark hair, black teeth and claws, and dark, like, blue-green skin. Demons. Demonia. Yeah. It's so scary. Yeah. Like, what you imagine under your bed or in your closet or you wake up and it's standing at the end of your bed, yeah. this is it. <laughs> like, Why? Why you gotta be like uh, that? <laughs> yes. And I've been watching some, like, scary... <laughs> I don't know why I do this to myself. I've watched... It's because of you, Megan. <laughs> why is it because of me? What did I ever do to you? I was watching um, The Midnight Club. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. a good show. It's a great show, but there are things like this. Gives you nightmares. And, yeah. You're so, not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. I am not sleeping well. Uh, so, the Monster Manual describes them as ogre-like. Mm-hmm. So, that's... They have honed in a bit more on that in um, 5e. Uh, They are only very distantly related to ogre, but similar to ogres, they tend to join evil versus good in the side of, like, anything. That's fair. So they aren't chaotic evil. They are lawful evil. They will serve a master if the reward is desirable, like magic items or luxuries, mm-hmm. um, and are likely to gravitate towards evil magic users. Okay. Decently scary and completely believe that, like, they will eat your babies. They will come and steal your children. <laughs> In like, the night. They'll... <laughs> yes. The Goblin King is actually an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> So scary. Yeah. And how does something like this find victims? They have magic. So they're magic users, It's it, it, which makes it even more scary. Mm. They can use magic to shape change and look like a typical humanoid passing through town. So that's how they, they move around by day. Okay. Because they have this magical ability, they can be known as ogre mages. Uh, they are creatures of the night, and I'd say they're only their victims would be able to be the ones to see them because none live to tell the tale of what they actually look like. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a creature of your nightmares, and no one will live to actually be able to tell the tale yeah. of what they actually look like. It bothered me. <laughs> 
You're like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could even use these as a DM because they're, they're rough. Um, so in previous editions, they are known to known as violent spirit creatures with great strength. Okay. Um, as well as magical abilities. So in their humanoid form, great strength. And in giant form, I would feel like they their stats are more like average for giant. Okay. So this again, like we were we were already talking about, like it's the it's the myths that make them seem like way stronger than what they actually are. Yeah. Because uh, as a human, super strength, but as a giant, they're pretty average. Yeah. In first edition, uh, the alignment was also also lawful neutral as well as lawful evil. That makes more sense to me because I yeah. feel like I've used Oni in a couple of campaigns where they're not they weren't necessarily evil. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. like you could like again, like I, I always like to play with the fact that like it doesn't really matter what the alignment is. You as a DM can kind of assess where the character comes from and why they are the way that they are. I've yeah. actually played in Oni in a campaign before, like as a character Ooh. player. Oh god. Yeah. And um we I was I was a lawful good cleric. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, I'll get into that later, but continue. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, one thing that was very interesting was um some lore mentions that they have a love for both dancing and music and actually had their own language amongst yeah. them. I can imagine that, yeah. Yeah, I mean creatures of the night. Yeah. They talk to each other in their creature of the night language. Sure. <laughs> yes. Um, and there was a really, well, there was a children's rhyme that was listed in the book. And so I would like to just say it because it does. Um, Give an ambiance and an aura. Yes. Feel. Yeah. Throw it down. Throw it down. This is. Okay. Yeah. Lock the door. Blow out the light. The hungry Oni haunts the night. Hide and tremble, little one. The Oni wants to have some fun. Hear it scratching on the door. See its shadow cross the floor. The sun won't rise for quite a while. Till then, beware the Oni's smile. Oh, shit. Yeah. Have you ever seen an Oni mask before? No. Okay, let me Google one. I feel like now I'm going to just, like, see this everywhere. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So, yeah, Oni masks are, like, those kind of classic, like, devilish smile with the teeth. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that mask. Like you, I just they, didn't... Absolutely. Like, you've seen them a thousand times in your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh. So they have, like, the big tusks and, like, the horn, like, and the horns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So okay. when you said, like, they're, like, the Oni smile, all I could think of was those, like, big the... toothy smile from those masks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Nightmare uh... fuel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, but let's get into some of the stats. Okay. Um, so it's a large giant, lawful evil. Uh, they wear chain mail. Okay. So they're slightly higher AC, but it's 16. Uh, so not. <laughs> like, we're, we're not hitting 18, 19. Yeah. Um, and being only large versus huge, they have a speed of 30 feet. So mm-hmm. they will keep pace with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just over 100 HP. I'd say they are more of a balanced monster in terms of the stats. They they're pretty, they have good strength, but they have an intelligence of plus two, um, wisdom of plus one, charisma plus two. Like so, they're above average in most things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're decent. Yeah, um, they can also fly thirty feet. <laughs> I feel like that like added to your nightmares, and it makes me laugh. Yeah. And sad. Yeah, I'm like, what? What do you mean they can fucking fly? So, 
you know, if you have the third story bedroom with the window, it can be floating outside it. That's nice. Ew, creepy. Yeah. I love it, though. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, they have dark vision of 60 feet. So, was it the, what was the dark vision on the... 120 feet yeah. was for the Fomorian. So, yeah. a far cry from that, but still. Yeah. Uh, and they have languages common and giant. So, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. That it's ter- terrifying, and if you plead for your life in common, it can understand what you're saying. And it can talk back at you. Yeah. It can whisper in your There's ear and you no know. saving you. Yeah, it can talk back. That's the thing. It's like ah. it, it can whisper back at you and it's weird language that you don't understand to creep you out. Or it can just talk to you from the corner yeah. of your bedroom in the corner in the dark. Oh, Megan. No. You're welcome. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, CR7. Uh, Again, I feel like that fits. I think because it would like CRs are determined, of course, by like their stats and like how much HP they have and all of those things. So they do have a low HP. They have a lower AC. So I feel like they are going to be a bit of a lower um, CR. Yeah. But like, do they have any really cool abilities that like make them tougher? Oh, yes. Okay. Throw down. Tell me. Yeah. This uh, stack is growing on me. Yeah. You're liking it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Love me some alcoholic rice water. (laughs) Let me shake some out. Okay, so <laughs> this is what gets me excited to run this in a campaign, okay. which I'm still reserved because I think it's 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 creepy. Yeah. But they have innate magic. Yeah. Yeah. So they have several spells they can cast. They don't need the material components to do so. Those are darkness and invisibility. Okay. So if you catch sights of it. It can turn invisible and disappear. And put you in magical darkness. And put you in magical darkness, move right up to you without you even knowing. Then whisper in your ear. Fuck, Megan. (laughs) Hello, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It can do that as many times as it wants, anytime. And once per day, it can charm person, cone of cold, gaseous form, and sleep. Mm. So... (sighs) Like, it's just, it's not good. It's not good for a party. It's not good for a child. It's not good for anyone. No. Um, so it has all of those abilities. Um, and it has regeneration. Speaking of troll. Love it. <laughs> 10 HP at the start of its turn, if it has at least 1 HP. So if no. it's standing, it can regenerate 10 HP per turn. Holy shit. So you're going to fight this. Long and hard. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> we haven't had any of those today. I know. It's been like a really, it's been a really tame dick joke day. <laughs> we're, we're just terrified. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're just, this would have been a good Halloween episode, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it also has changed shape. Um, kind of, I guess I alluded to that in that it can make itself look as a humanoid or, or an actual human mm-hmm. to walk around during the day. Uh, so it can polymorph into a smaller medium humanoid, a large giant, and back to its true form. Mm-hmm. So it can mix and match how it wants. The stats remain the same in each form, no matter which size it ends up being. However, it carries a glaive. and <laughs> Dope. I love that. <laughs> yes. And so the glaive actually changes size depending on what size it is. Okay. So if it goes to a small humanoid, the glaive, like, scales down, down so that size. you can actually use it as a small humanoid. That's awesome. Yeah. So it has 
multi-attack, of course, and the weapon attacks are magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, is that a first? Maybe? Maybe the ones we just recently talked about it also was magical attack, but maybe not. I they feel like this might no. be a first. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's typically That its not. abilities are magical attacks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, yeah, that's new. Uh, so attacks are impacted depending on if it's in its oni form, true form, or if it's in, in a changed form. Okay. It has a claw attack. It can't do the claw attack if it's in human form, or humanoid form, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, and with its glaive, there is a 10-foot reach. It's 2d10 slashing and 1d10 slashing if it's in a smaller medium form. Yeah. Smaller glaive, less slashing. Dope. But pretty hefty for um, a weapon. Don't think we've seen any that have carried a glaive. And the fact that it can regenerate and go invisible and move around, basically mess with you wholeheartedly if you're trying to fight it, is just terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It will will hurt you. (laughs) And uh, I don't even think I want to see a miniature for this. It's just, it's tough. Let's look. So. What, let's look what up right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> How many miniature D and D? Let's have a look. You know what? They're not that bad. So let's like, um, this is like your classic one here. Like this would this would be like a classic oni. This one. So like it like it's got its claws. It's got its mask on. Very fur like armored up like whole right. nine yards right. Um, but like as I mentioned, like I've played uh, an oni as a player character before. Um, and they look kind of like this. So they're very, like, humanoid, but then they have, like, the tusks and the horns and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um. So, what, how did the, uh, the abilities differ? Like, were you able to polymorph or chain shape? So, yes, chain shape, we, we, was, was a thing that we added. So, for context for, like, the audience, obviously, we played in a very Japanese-based D&D 5th edition campaign that was very homebrewed, but I played a, an Oni- cleric of a temple where my job was to protect the temple and then my temple like burned to the ground and then it was my job to try and figure out what happened right and but the world itself was not did not like seeing onis out in the wild because all they know about onis are these frightening stories about them right so my character had the ability to change shape and look like a human 24 7 right but then it was like a war against humans and onis so anytime i was working with humans like they would be talking shit about onis and so on and so forth, right? Oh, so, so it was a very like... it was a very political campaign, yeah, of like demon versus human kind of thing, and it was really interesting. So I feel like um, we talk a lot about how you can utilize different kind of big bad evil things or like things that are written to be inherently evil, but still use them for good in some way, shape, or form. Because sometimes, like, I like I can speak to what was it called, Princess Mononoke. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. But it's basically about demons versus humans because the humans are destroying their forest and then the demons are trying to kill the humans because the humans are destroying their forest. Yeah. So they're not necessarily killing the humans because they don't like humans. They're just killing them because you're destroying the forest that we live in. You're destroying our home. Right. Right? So it's kind of like that whole concept of like you're evil because their ideals are different from yours. I see. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like you can really utilize Onis in this way. Interesting. Because they are evil creatures that are told to be evil for certain reasons, but it might just be because they have different ideals than you do. Yes. 
And, like, with 5e, they are typically lawful evil, mm-hmm. which means, yes, they're following just They're following a different for set. what they feel is correct, right? And it seems like a common trend with lots of the giants that we've talked about, about desecrating the land, yeah. too. <laughs> it's like, stop destroying the land, and lots of times that's what ends up, what what happens to end up on different sides. Yeah. Of different types of giants. Causes that separation. Yeah. Right? But I also feel like you could really go in just like a really haunted campaign with them. Oh, like to your point, yeah. they can be super creepy. They can be evil. Mm-hmm. They can be like the messengers of some super, some lich somewhere. They're the messengers of this lich. Yeah. Right. And then like they're following you around in some way, shape or form. And they can shift change. So it might be the NPC that's following you around. Oh, that could be a reveal later. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. it was actually just like a, a, a demon oni that's been following you, keeping yeah. tabs on you for whatever warlock or wizard that's wanting whatever you have or what have you, right? Yes. That would be, that would be fun. It would be very interesting. Yeah. And they could be um, continually haunting. Like, it could be part of the background. Like, if you are a haunted one yeah. on the background, it could deliver messages or you would have you might have to like homebrew the homebrew your character may need to roll some sort of save every time they long rest yeah and depending on what they roll an oni might visit them or may not yeah like a messenger of like yeah like hell or something will come and like talk to you or whatever yeah also if you take the haunted one and it is something that's following you anytime you go into a town or a temple or meet a cleric or a paladin they can make like a, I don't know, like a charisma roll, whatever their base is. And then they can, they can determine whether they see that you're haunted by this or not. Ooh, yep. And then you as a character might not know that you're haunted by it. And that it's been following you around. You just think you're having nightmares every once in a while, right? Yes. Oh, that would be a great reveal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right? Um, but from a combat standpoint, like it fucking checks out. The fact that they can cast darkness on you is fucking frightening. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you're on watch... And then, like, you went to your point, you're on watch one night, you fail your save, and then you, when he visits you and just puts you into complete darkness and starts talking to you. Yeah. While you're sitting there in the dark. Yeah. So imagine you see it first. Oh, my God. You see it first. Then like, behind the, its head peeking around a tree. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't like it. I hate it. Okay, I think we're on the same level of terror yeah, now. <laughs> absolutely. I'm with you. I'm now with you. I got there. Yeah. Oh. All I can picture is what movie was it? Was it Insidious that has the weird demon creature with the red and black skin? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to talk about it anymore, Megan. I'm scared and I, I have to take a sky train uh, home. It's going to be late. No. Man, like, I I love utilizing, like, true demons from different folklores and places um, within storylines. Like, even just using, like, the idea of, like, the classic under-the-bridge troll, mm-hmm. which we've referenced a few times when it comes to giants and how weird they look and stuff like that. But can you imagine if the under-the-bridge troll was an oni? No. Yeah. Um, or even, like, one of these um, Fomorians, you know what I mean? Like, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine just, like, walking up to one and all of a sudden it, like, bestows a curse upon you, right? Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of theme that we're going through with these ones, where it's kind of... You're meant to be afraid of them. Yeah, and they really do have a severe ability mm-hmm. that that can really mess with you. Yeah. Um, I would use either one of these carefully. <laughs> yeah. 
Because again, like they're not necessarily super hard to kill. No. But they would definitely leave an impression on your group. Yeah. And like your team. And like to be fair, even if an Oni was haunting you and you fought it one night and killed it, it's probably going to come back. Yeah. Or whatever thing sent it after you is going to just send another one. Right. Yeah, the Oni in particular could be, um, there could be a lot of hints at it, a lot of foreshadowing, a big reveal, and then an in conclusion. Yeah, like you always see it in the corner of your eye. Like you have to do a perception check and you see its face in the corner of your yeah. eye and you like look around and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. A and then every once in a while you're, you're like put into darkness and you don't know why. You think it's like you're just slowly going blind or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just an Oni fucking with you. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I'm, I'm appreciate that you have played one and like shown that side of it too. Because yeah. I, from like the monster manual and descripts and research I did, you know, it's just the fearsome, like terrifying spirit creature. Yeah. So it's a good spin on it. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of Oni, um, again, I feel like they can go either way because they're just protective spirits. Um, and that was the whole thing behind my character was that she was a cleric that was protecting her god. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with humans or wanting to curse humans or cast spells on them. It was, I am, I am an Oni that is a protection character for this god. Just the way a paladin would be, just the way a cleric would be, so on and so forth. Right. But they just have horns and are creepy and scare people. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but it was homebrewed. So that's not really in 5th edition, like, as a playable character, I don't think, at this point, unless it's a homebrewed campaign. Yeah. And they are really just written as being monsters within monster manuals and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you could probably play a Fomorian. Because if you think about it, a Fomorian is also, all they are is a transformed, cursed humanoid. Right. So technically, you could play a Fomorian that's cursed, homebrew it, and then just be like, you are a cursed person who's trying to lift the curse on you. But you're ugly as fuck, so good luck getting around. You know what I mean? Yep. And I imagine, like, your eyeball keeps popping out or something. Oh. <laughs> you keep losing your teeth. Uh, your teeth are, like, falling out. Yeah. You pull them out in your sleep, like, that whole nine yards. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, I know. Absolutely creepy. But, yeah, before we kind of wrap up, is there any final thoughts about these? Other than the fact that we kind of like them but would use them sparingly. Like them both. They're a unique spin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could use them in a... In a, like, Halloween special. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, or if you're playing, like, an evil campaign. Like, something that where you're trying to scare your players or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And just get into the grimy, dark terror yeah. of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel cool. like they could definitely be used in, like, a... Because I don't know if other people do this in their campaigns, but I've done it a few times where when it's Halloween or when it's Christmas or, like, when it's Easter or when it's... Some kind of, like, festive fall season or what have you. Doing a special, like, sidebar episode where you're on a side quest. That's yeah. very Halloween-y. Like, you're in, like, a haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. Or you go, or you end up in a town that has a temple that's desolate and you decide to explore it and you come across a bunch of Oni. Yeah. Right? Like, there's so many opportunities for you to, like, thematically throw them in there without totally breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what I appreciate most about um, all of the giants that we're going into in, like, the winter special is, like, you kind of limit in, it doesn't make sense to bring these obscure things, like last episode's space stuff. But Space space cats, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But when you go into the weeds of what they can do and a bit of their history, and lots of times they have broad history, it actually makes it more feasible. Like, yeah. you do, it's like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. This is why we're doing this. This is why so we do this. people know. Yeah. Find out new things. Utilize them in your campaigns. Throw them a curveball that your Dans don't know what they are. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Try yeah. and outwit Dan. Outwit Dan. <laughs> All right. So that's it for this giant winter special episode on Fomorians and Oni. Stay tuned next week when we focus on two other giant kin. One with one eye and one with four. Thanks for listening to this special episode of It's a Minute Podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash itsamimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Cheers.